Yes, one way that we can live for Jesus. Let's pray and ask the Lord for showing us this way and giving thanks and praise for showing us that Jesus is the way. There are only one way for us to live and to bring glory and honor to His name. Father, Father, we thank and praise You this morning that we could all gather and come together and meet You here in this beautiful cathedral of nature, we call it. It's where You are. Thank You that all Your creatures can come together. We, Your people, can come, humbly bow down, and say thank you to our one true living God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Spirit that is here this morning. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will meet with us in a very special way. And that we will know that you are here long after this meeting is over. That our God, who was with us in the meeting, is still with us. Because that is His promise. He will always always be with us. He'll never leave us, not for a single moment. So we thank you and we praise you, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here by your Spirit. We enjoy being together, worshipping you, praising you, looking forward to listening to your word later on. Thank you for the fellowship, for the joy of knowing and loving Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. A very good morning to each one. Welcome to those that are joining us online and of course those who will watch this broadcast a bit later on and also to each one of us that are here in person. It's great, it's fantastic that we can come together and enjoy this beautiful day and celebrate our God together. A very special welcome to those who are new or visiting us and again last week I saw some folk visiting us from other churches. You are very very welcome to be here to fellowship and to worship the Lord Jesus together with us. Now in our pre-service prayer, for those of you that uh, are unaware, uh, 30 minutes before this meeting starts at 9 o'clock, we actually pray from 9.15 to 9.45 at the corner. So you're very welcome to join us where we pray and commit ourselves and this meeting to the Lord. And it's just wonderful for us to be able to share that this is a time in between the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. And Jesus gave his disciples and still continues to give us convincing proofs that he is alive. And that's the reason why we all come together to praise and worship our God who is alive. So let me start this morning by mentioning all the birthday people. Today is Crystal Dougal's birthday. Tomorrow is Stephen Bentz. And then on the 27th, there are four people. Barry Henochberg, Mary Smith, Matthew Wise, who is, uh, I know, in the Drakensberg today, and also Nate D'Souza, who is one of our missionaries serving with the Logos Hope ship, currently in Curacao, that's in the Caribbean islands. So let's continue for... The birthday people on the 28th, it's Corneille Stannard and Colleen Decheboom, who is another one of our missionaries, serving for a long time, many years, in Thailand. So we're not done yet. There's more birthdays. On the 30th, it's Nikki Benting, who's celebrating. And then on the 1st of May, it's Colleen Bardwell and Janine DeCock. Sorry, Janine DeConnick. May the Lord richly bless each and every one of you that is celebrating. May you know more of the Lord's goodness and grace upon your life. Talking about missionaries, let me just say thank you to the 15 people 
that joined us yesterday when we went down to Capricorn for the prayer walk with Bernadette White Phillips. And those of you who also covered us in prayer as we went, thank you for remembering us. It was really great that we were able to go and encourage Bernadette and the team. And those who came know, wow, what amazing testimonies we've heard. One person who came out of the Muslim faith and just couldn't get enough of us. Just forgot all the protocols and started to, to hug Ginny. And I got a lovely photograph of that, Ginny. And it was just so amazing to hear when someone comes out of another faith, what they really find in Jesus. And yet another person who was part of the team taking us around shared with us how they came out of a background of substance abuse. After 10 years, what that means, finding Jesus and now serving him. So we continue to pray that the Lord will use us as a church, PBC, to be a blessing and help rebuild the community at Capricorn. Um, another reminder that this coming Sunday, the 2nd of May, has been set aside for baptisms. Very exciting. I'm sure many of us uh, remember the day that we came to know the Lord and that day in particular when we actually went through the waters of baptism. And so that's very exciting. That's happening next week. If you'd like to know more, or perhaps you're still considering it's not too late, please speak to one of our pastors. Craig is here from the Explore side, and then Bevan is here for the evening congregation, and then Andrew also is a classic. Please feel free to talk to any one of our pastors. And then I'm sure that you'll agree with me that our children's church team do such an amazing job, especially if you, you have kids, you would know that. So during the school holidays, one way to honor and to support and to bless them is simply to be able to help the jungle jam. And so that they, the church children's team, can just have some time out, which they really and truly need. And so jungle jam is run on Sunday mornings uh, during the school holidays. And it's for those children that are in grade R to grade five. Now, it would be, it would, if you would like to support this amazing team, um, it's so easy because they need volunteers. And uh, it would be great if you could contact Josh Duvel. You can contact him personally or write to him at josh at pbc.org.za. And you will know that everything is already pre-planned for you. Everything is ready. All you got to do is just add hot water. I mean, all you got to do really is just show up and help. They've made it so easy for you to get involved and to join in and help our children's church team. And then we have an announcement from the Mercy and Justice team that invites you to join a time of praying for hope in the education sector. This is happening on Saturday, the 8th of May at 2 p.m. Says we will be standing with our PBC family who are involved in education whether as school teachers, reading support, or NGOs. You can receive a prayer pack to work through at home or in person. More details on how to sign up can be found on our PBC website. And it's really great to be able to see all these prayer initiatives that's taking place at PBC. I know that not everyone is comfortable to go out and join prayer walks and do other ministries, but I'm sure that we all can get involved in praying and trusting God that He works through all these prayer initiatives. And then to end, let me say thank you also to each one. We want to acknowledge your giving and say thank you for regularly giving to the work 
and the life here at PBC, the ministry that God has called us to. Thank you so much for being a part of that. Giving can be done via FT, EFT or Snap Scan. So let me just pray and thank God for these monies and say, Father, we, we are thankful that you are such a generous God. We thank you that even through difficult times, you carry us through and you provide us with jobs. You provide us with business opportunities and creative ways to, to generate an income. Thank you that we can be a blessing to each other through the finances that you give us. And we can be a blessing to help rebuild communities and that part of our city, which you call us to do. Thank you for the monies that also go overseas, that we can be a blessing to other nations through the missionaries that we send out. And so, Father, we thank and praise you for all the finances that you give through your people. We pray for the team that administers these monies. Oh, Lord, give them wisdom that they really need to know how to distribute this money so it can reach people and see lives transformed. We thank you and we praise you now as we get excited to just continue worshiping you, Lord. We pray for Joel and our team now that they will lead us, that we'll just get excited, Lord, and express ourselves in praise and thanks. For who you are, our God, who is alive and whom we love to worship. In Jesus' name we pray and commit the furtherance of this meeting. Amen. Father, you are awesome in this place this morning. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Father, we thank you that you bring your presence into ours. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to be everywhere all the time. Father, we thank you that your healing spirit is here dwelling amongst us. We covet your presence this morning. Come and continue to minister to us this morning. Come and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So good morning to you. I trust you all had a good week. I also just want to say that if you felt this morning that God was speaking to you, that you may have felt a little bit hesitant about responding to, to the call for, for healing, that you should stay around at the end. We will be here um, and you can come and receive ministry this morning. So this morning we are continuing with our series that, are, that is related to the resurrection. Wait, before I do that, I just want to say a, a welcome to two very dear friends of mine, um, Lionel and Anthea, Noah and Eden's godparents um, who came down from Johannesburg. It's great that um, you can be with us this morning. So last week we again touched on John chapter 20. And Craig helped us to take a deeper look at this thing called fideism. Fideism, as we now know, is having faith in faith, rather than having faith in Jesus. Having faith in the belief that you would hold to, rather than God himself. And today we are going to look at what the consequences of the resurrection is for us. And we're going to consider what the recreation is that we experience because of the resurrection. Now, when we think about Easter, 
We remember Good Friday, Jesus is on the cross. On the Saturday, he's in the tomb. And on the Sunday, it's Resurrection Day. Now we know that there is an overarching idea that we take from what happened over those three days. And that is the idea of rebirth. The idea of recreation. And we celebrate the idea of rebirth over Easter by sharing Easter eggs. Eggs are a symbol to us of new life. Eggs throughout history have actually become a common people's explanation of the resurrection. Now, I know that we have all heard about the connection that the celebration of Easter has to this pagan goddess festival that in the northern hemisphere people celebrate the coming of spring. But this does not detract from what Jesus did on the cross. That his blood on the cross covered sin. And that he rose on the third day. And it doesn't take away from the truth that the resurrection has unlocked renewal for all of creation. There is nothing that can minimize what Jesus did on the cross for all of creation. Resurrection Day on Easter Sunday is not simply the happy ending after the sad dark story of Holy Week. Easter is the start of something. It isn't the ending. It is in fact the beginning of the new creation which has been made possible by the overcoming of the forces of corruption and decay in the death of Jesus. And so the resurrection introduces newness to all of God's creation. In the New Testament, if we study it, we, we do not find described a life after death in heaven, but rather a newly embodied life in a newly reconstituted creation. And we see Jesus' resurrection not as the happy ending after the crucifixion, but as the launching of nothing less than new creation itself. And resurrection brings with it the idea of renewal, of rebirth, of a fresh starting over, a new creation. Now for man, for us, the desire to start over is not new. Man has been consistently working to recreate his and hers situation. Man has been wanting to go back to the beginning to start over since the time of the Garden of Eden. And so I'd like for us for a few minutes to reimagine our desperate situation. So let's start by picturing the scene. Man had just been created by God, forming man from the dust of the ground and God himself breathing into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And man is standing there for the first time in human history, in the midst of the lush, 
greens, of the yellows, of the browns, of the greys, of the blues, of all the beautiful colors man stands there. And then God also decides to give man a companion in Eve. And as we consider that picture, we see that God now in his creation story has the universe which he has planned and purposed. He has the man and the woman whom he had planned and purposed. He has the perfect people and the perfect universe which he had planned and purposed. And as we know, man needed a residence, he needed a home, a place to live. And the passages of scripture in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 describe this place where man had his beginnings on earth. The place where man was to live. And Genesis chapter 2 covers the features which God decide, designed for man's home. And the place as we know where man is specifically going to be positioned is called the Garden of Eden. The most beautiful and bountiful paradise that man could ever imagine. Eden was man's paradise. It was man's utopia. Now this name Eden, which we have chosen to call our daughter, in Sumerian means a plain, a step and in the Hebrew language the word Eden means delight it means finery it means luxury and as we bring these two root ideas together we find that it means a place a plane a step where God's delight his finery and his luxury was finally presenced and it seems to me that Eden was more than just a place, but also maybe an atmosphere of God's presence. Now we note in this image that God's glorious goodness is seen in his design of the garden. The features of the garden clearly show that God cares deeply for man, for man's welfare. For his provision, his security, his joy, and their happiness. And the garden shows that God designed the ideal place for man's residence, for man's home. And what we see described here in the Garden of Eden is the essence of the Hebrew idea, the Hebrew word shalom. Now, shalom is more than just the Hebrew greeting. If you were to go to Israel today, that is how people would greet you. They would say shalom. But shalom is a word that means and encapsulates the ideas of peace, of harmony, of wholeness, of completeness, of prosperity, of welfare, and of tranquility. And this shalom is something that permeated the Garden of Eden and all of creation. But then, unfortunately, as we know, Adam and Eve fall into sin. And, as, and we see that in that action of falling into sin, they sever their relationships with peace. They sever their relationship with harmony, 
they sever their relationship with wholeness, with completeness, with prosperity, with welfare, with tranquility, not only to each other, but also to creation, and most importantly, to God. Now, as we consider the Garden of Eden, we note that the Garden of Eden is also our first biblical image of a temple. Even though it wasn't a building, it was a place and a space built by God for the purpose of humanity dwelling in fellowship with him. And so God tabernacled with Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, in ancient Hebrew thought, in ancient thought ontology, temples were places where heaven, which was considered to be God's realm, and earth, which was considered to be humanity's dwelling place, overlapped. And temples were understood and were designed to be places of worship and fellowship with God. A temple was a place where God and man would meet and God would receive worship from man. And in Genesis 2, we see how God provided for Adam and Eve in a way that communicated that they were created for intimate relationship with him, with each other, and with creation. And so we see how the garden is set up as a place and a space for that kind of fellowship to take place. Now, as we continue to follow in the biblical story, the traces of how man seek to reestablish, to reinstitute this idea of shalom after the fall and sin came into the world, we are introduced to Moses and the Israelites. And Moses and the, and the Israelites use a tabernacle in the desert. Now, many scholars believe and understand that the tabernacle of Moses was a kind of a prototype for the Garden of Eden. And that the Garden of Eden was not only a prototype for the desert tabernacle, but also for all the other temples that we read about in Scripture, such as the Temple of Solomon and the Temple of David. Now, according to tradition and scripture, the Garden of Eden was located in the east. We read that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. And present in the garden then were the two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And scripture records for us that when Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the garden to the east in Genesis 3 and verse 24. And then cherubim, these huge angelic creatures, with a flaming sword were placed there at that exit point to prevent them from returning to the garden. And this story of how man was cast out of the garden of Eden, through the heritage and through scripture and history, was then passed on from generation to generation. And out of this, God's people always believed that to get back to the presence of God and into communion with Him again, to again restore this shalom that was lost, 
they needed to retrace the steps of their ancestors with the belief then that they needed to enter into the garden by passing the cherubim positioned at the entrance of the garden in a westerly direction. And so Israelites would erect their tabernacles in an east to west orientation so as to replicate the Garden of Eden. Also, we see in the design of the tabernacle that it was divided into three spaces, an outer court, an inner court, and the Holy of Holies, the outer court representing a fallen world, while the inner court represented a more sacred and a holier life, with the Holy of Holies being present right in the center. And so the priests coming through these spaces in these tabernacles, they represent a picture of the garden, of coming closer and closer into communion with God, passing through the veil that had the cherubim embroidered on it into fellowship and communion with God, thereby in their minds restoring and resurrecting what had been lost. You see, we have always been trying to get back to that place of peace. We have always been trying to get back to that place of rest, of joy, of contentment, of communion with God. That harmony and wholeness and completeness, the prosperity and welfare and tranquility to each other and to creation. That shalom is something that we have and continue to constantly be in pursuit of. Now, Jesus' coming 2,000 years ago was a watershed moment in our pursuit to shalom. Jesus' resurrection was the beginning, the start of the recreation. Jesus' resurrection is what all of creation has been waiting for. And the Father in heaven knew that our attempts, our feeble attempts at resurrection and recreation would be futile. And so because he loves us so much, he sent his son. And whoever believes in him will not die, but will become part of what God is doing in his work of recreation. Not only in a spiritual sense, but also in a physical sense. Now in John chapter 20, the portion of scripture that we've been looking at over the past two weeks, we see when we read that text, we are twice told emphatically that Jesus' resurrection was the first day of the week. That's what John says right at the start of the chapter. The first day of the week. In the morning when Mary and Mary Magdalene found the tomb empty and they met the risen Jesus himself. It stated that it happened on the first day of the week. And then it says again in verse 19, the first day of the week in the evening when the disciples were hiding behind locked doors and Jesus came in and said, Ooga Booga. <laughs> you see, in that text, John has framed these scenes for us within the gospel, which means which begins, sorry, by evoking Genesis chapter 1 itself. In the beginning, the first day of the week, 
in such a way as to say, this is the beginning of the new creation in which the divine intention for the original creation is at last fulfilled. And that is why Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 1, saying that Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. And I don't think that we will fully be able to understand the gospel unless we see it as our history. The story which finds its way through the long dark years of Israel's desolation and then bursts out with new life on the third day on Easter morning. Now at this point we can ask ourselves, where is the gospel story ultimately going? And very importantly, how does it affect us here in Cape Town in the year 2021, in the midst of a pandemic? How does it affect you in the work that you do and the life that you live now? Now from Genesis chapter 1 onwards, humans were made to rule in God's creation, to rule with gentle stewardship, to enable creation to be fruitful, to flourish, not to squash or to trample or to exploit it. And with Jesus, we realize that what we call heaven, which is the understanding of God's space, and what we call earth, which is understood as our space, are designed to work together, to overlap and interlock. And we humans are created for the specific purpose of standing at the threshold between the two, summing up creation's praises before the Creator and exercising responsible authority on his behalf over such bits of the world as he may have entrusted to us. The new creation that is inaugurated by Jesus' resurrection is not a matter of us being taken away to a different sort of place, but of Jesus coming back to transform the present world into the place that he wants it to be and to transform us into being the people that he wants us to be. And all of this points to our present life and calling in very dramatic ways. Once we realize and celebrate the fact that Jesus is in fact already reigning, we can start to learn in prayer, in worship, to celebrate his victory in new ways. And so when we love one another as he loves us, we bring genuine signs of new life, of recreation, to birth into the present world now. But I think that so many Western Christians have perhaps fixed their eyes on a distant and an escapist heaven that though they may still sense a calling to make a difference in the present world, they have no larger theological framework within which to understand that position, but 
the resurrection of Jesus supplies us with exactly that. The church, that's us, in its unity and holiness is called to be the sign to the watching world that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not Lord. Caesar comes in many forms as we know. He comes in the gods that are worshipped today. The gods of money, of power, of sex, of self-centered, self-fulfillment and self-realization. And so the body of Christ, that's us as a whole, with every Christian called to play his or her part and to face their own personal battles and struggles as they do so, is to show the world that its rulers, and its rulers, sorry, that there is a different way to be human. There's a different way of being. Ways that Jesus spoke about in the Sermon of the Mount. The way of following Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now as I conclude, I want to make one last illustration and then we'll close. Now as you would probably know, I have koi koi heritage. And so my forefathers, they grazed their livestock here. They fished in the oceans and their fish traps are still there to be found. They raised families here. They hunted and they gathered here. Now the koi koi hold to a completely different ontology and cosmology. A different way of understanding and living within this world. Now koi koi ontology is what's called a relational ontology and it's very mutable it fluctuates it's a way of being of a way of being that flows with the surroundings now in terms of creation the koi koi are not always trying to sort things out is it a or is it b maybe it's a maybe it's b there is no hard line of division in the thinking there. And many of the divisions between nature, between culture, between man, people, and animals are not as firm in the Kwekwe and the sun way of thinking as they are in Western ways of thinking. And so land and earth, sky, heaven, and ground, Land is another example of this. There is a fluid relationship between the sky and the land. And so events that start happening on the land end up trailing off into the sky and are reflected at night in the constellations that are interpreted by Kwekwe and Sun people in the sky at night. And so some constellations would be described at night, perhaps as a small herd of kudu that had been seen earlier in the day. In fact, the Taurus constellation in Western astronomy is an eland in Koi astronomy. And the horizon in the Koi Koi and the Sun interpretation 
was just a kind of accidental boundary between the two arenas, land and sky. And many of the things that happened in the one also then happened in the other. One, something that originated in the one would then be seen reflected in the other. And the stories that we interpret there are wonderful. And it's a very intimate kind of worldview. The sky in that worldview is almost within reach, but it's just beyond reach. And people in their understanding can throw things up into the heavens and they would be reflected there in the sky. And so in the folklore, there's a lot of throwing things into the sky as part of this relationship between land and sky. Now, when I think of this act of throwing things into the sky, it makes me think about prayer, about casting things that then reflects in the sky, something that starts on earth and then is reflected in heaven. And so it's a very intimate way of being. And so in the Khoi Khoi understanding, things were moving back and forth between land and sky constantly. And now you see, in this kind of worldview, there's a very intimate way of being. And with this intimate way of being comes a lot of responsibility. And Khoi Khoi people believed that there were things that you could do about even things in the sky. And believed also, furthermore, that there were things that you had to do about things in the sky. And so they felt that there was this responsibility to the landscape of not only land, but also to sky. An involvement with the landscape's continual functioning that I think today we have lost. And so the whole universe in this way of thinking is a relationship between people and the environmental context of responsibility, not of helplessness. Now, when I think of resurrection, when I think of recreation, even in the biblical context, then this is the picture that I have in my mind of what the resurrection leads to. A picture of us as believers having this close, tangible relationship with heaven. It is a picture of a relationship that was once severed. But now, because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, covering the cost of our sins, overcoming death, and resurrecting himself, that relationship is now repaired. And Jesus' resurrection introduces us again to caring intimately for those around us. And us again realizing that we are the agents through which God wants to bring his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray.
sida itse tsomi kahatsa satkonsa askai here. Sahau siba abhari. Satkaisa asi. Komi kasra is klas kami klati. Kuba ib on ai. Nece sida tsekoroba parebe mata. Isida kapina kubada. Sida kapapina dara kati kubakami. Kat kai tsapka kai kubida. Kapaba u oreda. Hau sipsi kai tsi. Kai sipsi go asa. Kamasip ka. Father, we thank you that you came, that you sent Jesus. We thank you that through Jesus' coming, we can experience resurrection. Thank you that there is recreation. Thank you that you call us into your kingdom, that you make us agents. Thank you that we can experience newness now. Thank you that there is a great hope to look forward to. Thank you that you have come and restored this relationship between heaven and earth. Lord, we ask that you would continue just to minister in us and through us as we continue to battle and to understand in our minds what it means to be in this recreation mode, to be agents of yours, to be people who you want to work through in this world right now. Continue to be with us. Continue to minister to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. I trust you have an awesome afternoon. Please remember that we've got um, coffee at the back there, Sunday. And if you require prayer, I want to encourage you to come seek out Craig and Cindy are here. Adrian is here, still here. We have some of our steering members around, some of our elders. Lindsay's over here who are willing to pray with you. Have a blessed day.